0: Chapter two, what am I going to do with my life? My introduction to uniformed life in a disciplined service was not an encouraging one, and was certainly not something that set the scene for a long and generally enjoyable career in the British police service. Like many undergraduates anticipating the end of student life when considering my post-university career options, all of the typical professions bored me to death. I dipped my toe in the milk round, the process whereby the big corporates visit university campuses and try to woo graduates with the promise of structured career paths, company cars and an exciting working environment. But frankly, the idea of spending my life working for a company that churned out breakfast cereals or car tyres made me want to throw myself under a bus. No, business life definitely was not for me. I was and still am an outdoor type and someone who thrives on uncertainty. I don't enjoy routine and I'm never happier than when I'm out in the fresh air, ideally being a bit lost and having no idea when I'm going to get home or how I'm going to get there. Therefore, the army seemed like a good choice and after doing a bit of homework, I decided I wanted to be a British army officer, ideally in an infantry regiment. In the army, I could get my outdoor fix and in the best traditions of the British officer class I could get every other poor bastard under my command lost outdoors too. And so it was that I found myself suited and booted one morning walking to the Army Careers Office in Birmingham city centre to have an interview with a colonel from the Irish Guards which was my regiment of choice. Arriving promptly at 8.45am from my interview at nine I introduced myself to a burly, ginger-haired, uniformed sergeant on the reception desk. He seemed an amiable sort of chap, and he apologetically advised me that the colonel hadn't arrived yet, and that he wouldn't be there until 10am. He was then joined by an equally burly sergeant who had overheard the exchange, who also suggested that I was too early and needed to come back later that morning. The ginger-haired one suggested that I go and get myself a cup of coffee and come back at 9.45am, at which point the colonel would have arrived and I could have my interview. Therefore, I did as he suggested and wandered off to what was then, back in the 1980s, the thoroughly depressing Palisades Shopping Centre and what is now the swanky Grand Central. I bought a newspaper and sat down with a cup of coffee to pass the time. Before telling the next part of the story, it's important to point out that throughout the course of my life, my timekeeping has generally been spot on. Lateness in others has always been one of my bugbears. And in the vast majority of occasions, if I say I will be somewhere at a particular time, I will definitely be there. There are other personal shortcomings that I'm very aware of, but bad timekeeping is not one of them. Finishing my coffee... I started wandering back towards the Army Careers Office in New Street and walked through the door at exactly 9.45am as directed. The same burly, ginger-haired sergeant was on the desk and the exchange went something like this. Hello, has the colonel arrived yet? Sorry, what do you mean? The colonel, from my interview, you said he hadn't arrived yet and that I should go and have a coffee and come back in an hour. Sorry, mate, I've no idea what you're on about. Feeling thoroughly confused by this point, I said, I came here for my interview at 8.45 with Colonel Jones and you told me to go away and have a cup of coffee because he wasn't here yet. The ginger sergeant then called behind him into an office and the second sergeant emerged. This bloke says he came here at 8.45 for an interview. Do you know anything about that? The ginger sergeant said. No. Never seen him before. What did you say your name was, mate? inquired the second sergeant. Feeling completely baffled and starting to get annoyed, I said I told you what my name was earlier, it's Ian Donnelly. Ian Donnelly? said the ginger sergeant. You should have been here an hour ago for your interview. The colonel's upstairs and he's been waiting for you for over an hour and he's not best pleased. By this time my head was properly spinning. I stood there in front of these two clowns in my new suit and the penny suddenly dropped that they'd completely stitched me up. Quickly climbing the stairs, I then knocked on the door of the interview room. A gruff voice from within bade me enter and I walked in to find a middle-aged senior officer sat behind a desk. He didn't look happy. I introduced myself and said, Listen, Colonel, before we start, Can I just apologise for being late? In actual fact I was here at 8.45 but the sergeants downstairs told me that you weren't here yet and I should go and have a cup of coffee and come back in an hour. However, when I walked in again five minutes ago they said that they'd never seen me before and denied telling me to go away and come back in an hour. That's why I'm late. The colonel began to look as confused as I had been feeling and asked me if I was sure about all this. I insisted that I was completely sure. He picked up the phone on the desk, dialed a number and then said, Sergeant, can you please come up to the office? After a few seconds and with a growing sense of dread, I heard the sound of heavy boots climbing the stairs from below, followed by a knock on the door. The colonel called the sergeant into the office and he stood at attention in front of the desk. Mr. Donnelly. Can you repeat to Sergeant Harris what you've just told me? I then repeated word for word what had happened. Sergeant, is this true? the colonel asked. Sir, this man walked into the office downstairs ten minutes ago, and as God is my witness, prior to that I'd never set eyes on him before. He then made up a cock and bull story about coming here earlier today. Well, Mr Donnelly, said the colonel, what have you got to say to that? That's not true, and he knows it, I blurted out angrily. Mr. Donnelly, are you trying to suggest that one of my longest serving NCOs is a liar? I looked at the sergeant square in the eye. He glared back at me defiantly. Yes, I am. The colonel was now looking thoroughly irritated by the whole thing. Sergeant, you can go now, he said. This is most irregular. And frankly, I don't know what to make of it. At this, the sergeant spun on his heel and left the room, leaving me alone again with the colonel. He told me to take a seat and suggested that we get on with the interview. But of course, by this time, I was fuming. My head was spinning and I was so angry that my voice was actually shaking. I could feel my eyes beginning to burn and was suddenly terrified that I would start blubbing. Pulling myself together, I answered the first couple of questions as if in a daze. Then, on a sudden impulse, I stood up and said, I'm sorry, I don't think I want to be in the army after all. I can't believe what's just happened and to be honest, if that's what I can expect in the future then I'm not interested. The colonel made a half-hearted attempt to persuade me to carry on with the interview but I think he could see that my head was gone and I was never going to be able to give a fair account of myself. I walked out of the room and down the stairs. Both sergeants were standing behind the desk, smirking at me. I said to them, almost in tears of rage, "'What a pair of arseholes you both are, you bastards!' At this, the ginger sergeant's face darkened. "'What did you call me?' he shouted. I called them both bastards again as I walked out into the street. At this point, the ginger sergeant literally vaulted over the counter and came after me at a run. At the time I was strong, but skinny, weighing about 11 stone dripping wet. My potential assailant was the same height, but about 15 stone of solid muscle. I therefore made the sensible decision to make a tactical withdrawal, legging it away from him up New Street in my suit and slippy leather-soled shoes. Being a runner, I pulled away from him fairly easily after about 50 yards, despite my slippy shoes. He stopped running and watched my escape. At a safe distance, I turned around and standing in the middle of New Street in Birmingham in broad daylight, I gave him the middle finger. I could see him laughing as he turned and walked back towards the Army recruiting office. Sometimes I tell people that I had the shortest career in British military history, but in truth, I never even got off the starting blocks. I can laugh about that incident now, But at the time, and for a long time afterwards, I was really pissed off about it. It was outrageous that those idiots had stitched me up like that. And many times afterwards, I asked myself why they did what they did. Could it have been because my surname is Donnelly, and because I came from Northern Ireland? After all, this was 1988, and the height of the Troubles. Could it be because they had served in Northern Ireland, and perhaps they had had some bad experiences out there, and didn't want someone like me... In their beloved regiment? Who knows, really? It's probably more likely that they were simply a pair of tossers who fancied livening up a dull Monday morning at my expense. Either way, it was back to the career drawing board. Once I had licked my wounds and moved on from this unpleasant episode, I began to consider other options. My brother had joined the Metropolitan Police in London a couple of years earlier. And I find the stories that he told about life on the beat amusing and interesting. It struck me as an unpredictable job, which appealed, and also a career where you could actually make a positive difference to the lives of other people. My grandfather had been a police officer in the Royal Irish Constabulary, which had preceded the Royal Ulster Constabulary. So clearly policing was in the family DNA. It all seemed to make sense. So I sent off for an application form, which I promptly filled in and duly waited for a response.